0: Today, I just wanna practically take a moment to give you some simple tools on how to pray. Now listen, if the truth was known, most of us are better at studying the Bible, reading the Bible, or preaching the Bible than we are at actually praying the Bible. And my greatest fear is that if you just read the Bible and study the Bible, you're gonna be a Bible fathead and you're gonna miss the transformation that God wants to accomplish through the Bible in your life. So I'm gonna give you just three real simple ideas about how to simply pray the Bible.
1: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Today's program is going to be a practical how-to lesson on how you can use the Bible to prompt your personal prayers. If you've never done that, prayed the Bible, I'm telling you, it can absolutely transform your prayer life. You can get out of prayer ruts. You can have the confidence that what you're praying is actually the will of God. There are so many positive aspects to praying God's Word back to Him. So let's listen to part two of the message, Simply Pray the Bible. Here's Pastor Trent. Simply pray the Bible.
0: Who knew it could be that easy? God has given me a prayer book and everything God wants to hear me pray, He's already spoken to me. God loves to hear His Word prayed back to me. Him. You say, I don't even know if that's biblical. Acts chapter 4. Let's see if we can find any authority for what we're talking about here. Peter and John went street preaching one day. They got called into the church officials, actually the Hebrew officials that didn't like the fact that they were spreading the gospel, a different gospel than and what they had been spreading. And they told him, you can't preach like that. You can't preach in Jesus' name anymore and stop healing people that are sick. And so he warns them, he threatens them. And and so they go back to church and we pick up the story in verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God. They simply prayed. And they said, we have a script of their prayer. It's recorded for us in the Bible. Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. Stop right there. The first thing they did in prayer was not tell God to fix it. They acknowledged God's right to be God. Sovereign. Then They still don't ask God to do anything. Look at the next thing they did in verse 25. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Stop. Pause. In your Bible, look at your page. Are the next few lines indented or bracketed? Are they kind of set apart in some ways? Why? Why? Do you know why? It is quoting something that is already recorded in the Bible. So, it's an alert to us that what we're about to read has, we've already found those words in another part of our Bible previously. It's actually Psalm 2, the second chapter of Psalms, verses 1 and 2. But I want you to notice this is the transcript of the prayer they prayed. Right in the middle of their prayer, they use what they know God has already said as their petition. They use the language of the Bible incorporated in their prayer and they pray what God has already said to them back to God. Let's read what he said. It says, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. End of quotation... But the prayer continues. Verse 27, for truly in this city, in other words, right here, right now, this is not about David. This is not about what he wrote a thousand years ago. God, we want you to know what's happening right here, right now. Notice, there were gathered. Have we seen that word before? Where did we see the word gathered? It's right there in verse 26. They use the vocabulary of Psalm 2 and insert it right into their prayer to God. Gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Anointed. Where do we find that word? We find it right back up in Psalm 2. And so when David wrote this a thousand years ago, he didn't know who the anointed was. But now they're living on the other side of the cross, and they know that the anointed one that David wrote about was actually Jesus. So they tell God about how Jesus has been treated and about how uh, they're receiving opposition because they've been speaking in his name. It goes on, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Why did they tell God about Herod and Pontius Pilate? Well, those were the people that were in opposition to Jesus. But they make a correlation between what David wrote in Psalm 2, the kings of the earth and the rulers. They just inserted proper nouns. Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles. Again, why did the Gentiles rage? Do you see what they're doing? They are formulating their prayer using the vocabulary of Scripture. They're praying the Bible back to God. And they are taking their burden, their situation, their anxieties, and inserting it into a prayer, or inserting it into Scripture, and translating it into a prayer. Verse 28. To do whatever your hand or your plan had predestined to take place. It's an awesome verse just talking about how even the crucifixion of Jesus was under the control of God. And as horrible as he was treated, God was totally in control. So on the days that you're treated badly, just remember, God's got it all under control. If he allowed Jesus to suffer, don't be surprised if you get a little ill treatment in this life. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants. Stop right there. Do you see the word grant? We're like six verses into the prayer, and it's the first time they ask God to do anything. They've already acknowledged who God is. They praised Him. They've already taken Scripture, and now, finally, they form their requests based on what they've already learned in Scripture. And so it says... Grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. When was the last time that happened in your quiet time? I mean, your prayer was so powerful, it rocked the world. Maybe it's because you're not simply praying the Bible. And when they inserted the Bible into their prayers and they allowed the Bible to reform how they prayed, it rocked the world. The place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit of God inspired the Word of God. And he comes and fills them because they were already filled with the word. And they continued to speak the word with boldness. Why did they continue to speak the word with boldness? Because God answered their prayers. Not because they were courageous men, but because they simply prayed and God simply answered their prayer. The Bible reforms how we pray and the Bible informs what we pray. I don't know about you, but when I try to pray without an open Bible, here's what I do. I have end up praying the same old thing about the same old thing in the same old language, in the same old phrases, and somehow I always default back to prayers like this. God, would you bless me? Would you give me wisdom? Would you lead, guide, and direct me? Now, those aren't bad prayers. But why is it that we have to offer God three synonyms for the same thing? Lead, guide, and direct. Have you ever heard that trilogy? It's the Holy Trinity of a prayer. Lead, guide, and direct. Did God, God, if you didn't understand what I was meant by lead, then direct me. And if it's not direction, then give me guidance. And that's the extent of my vocabulary. I don't know what else to say. And so after five seconds, I don't know how to ask any better than what I just asked. And so it ends up being a really short prayer. And then this is what I do. I end up like, God, I don't know how to say it any better today than I said it yesterday. Same... Same burdens on my heart today as on yesterday. And so I'll tell you again. And then then Wednesday, Thursday, by Friday, here's what I'm thinking. God, I read somewhere in the Bible that you never forget. (laughs) So I know you remember what I prayed on Monday. So God, just, just keep answering that prayer, and we just kind of put it into perpetuity. God, just, until I let you know otherwise, would you just keep answering the same thing? As a matter of fact, I don't even think I need to pray anymore because, God, you never forget. And then I told you last week, because I have a very high view of the sovereignty of God, I think God's going to just kind of work it out however He wants to. I just don't think God really needs me to inform Him about things He needs to do. And so i like, God, just take care of it. And yet, when I read the Bible, I see how... God invites me to unload my burden on Him. And today, I just want to practically take a moment to give you some simple tools on how to pray. Now listen, this is Harvest Bible Chapel, and if the truth was known, most of us are better at studying the Bible, reading the Bible, or preaching the Bible than we are at actually praying the Bible. And my greatest fear is that if you just read the Bible and study the Bible, you're going to be a Bible fathead and you're going to miss the transformation that God wants to accomplish through the Bible in your life. So i want to give you just three real simple ideas about how to simply pray the Bible. Number one, open your Bible. Really? I mean, come on, I came to church for that. No, I'm serious. I meet so many of you. That actually don't have one of these. They invented a printing press. They're accessible. Uh, and now, now listen. You don't have to have have to have the fanciest Bible in the world. But if you're using your wife's Bible or your grandmother's Bible in some archaic language or something, you might want to get your own Bible. Put your name in it. Spend some of your money on it. You're like, well, those things look expensive. If you spend more money monthly on your cell phone plan than you have ever spent on a copy of God's Word, you probably need to invest a little money in a Bible. Some of you don't think twice about dropping $200, $300, $400 for the latest phone that comes out. But you've never spent $50 or $100 on a good Bible that's going to last you for a decade or more. This Bible, I spent probably $50 on this Bible... And uh, uh, Matt Mendenhall, he stole this Bible. And he, he actually sent it off to like England or somewhere, and he put an incredibly nice calf skin on it. I and mean, he spent probably $150 on that, and then gave it back to me as a gift. And th- that was like a couple of three years ago, and I mean, it still looks new. Some of you say, well, that's because you probably never read it. No, I read it all the time. <laughs> Mark it up. And one of these days, this thing's probably going to outlive me, which means what? My kids are probably going to get it. And they're going to open it up and they're like, wow, God was meeting with him on that day. And there's my name. Oh, he was praying for me that God would fix me. Yeah. So... Open your Bible. And there is something about having something you can actually physically touch. I know you have iPads and phones and have Bible apps. I get it. I get it. But you need to actually have a Bible, a writing instrument, and a journal that becomes where you're going to record some simple prayers. I, I have a prayer journal. Just write these things out. For me, there are a lot of mornings I can't pray because I can't focus. My mind is racing too fast. I'm trying to read the scripture too fast. I, one thing that slows me down is I write my prayer or I write God's word because I can't write real fast. It slows my brain down. Now I can actually have a conversation with God while I'm reading my Bible. So I've got to have a place too. So let's say it's a um, It's 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock, whatever time you wake up. It's like, I'm going to prioritize my prayer before I race out to my day. So for me, i got to have a cup of coffee. Um, Some days, I've got to have a shower. Now I get to the place of prayer, have a designated place where you go. It's it's my place. I open my Bible, and here's what you're simply going to do. You're simply going to read a verse or a half of a verse. Now... Reading, I told you earlier, reading is, is not sufficient. So when we talk about reading the Bible, I want you to understand, as important as the Bible is and how it changes us in reading it can change you, there is something more than just reading it. Just reading the Bible is not a prayer. Get it? You're not praying, you're reading. So you have to have something more than the Bible. What is that? It is your list of concerns, all right? Some of you, you actually have a physical list. Maybe it is your journal or your prayer list or a prayer app. But for most of us, it's just stuff on our heart. If I raced up to you, I took you by the arms, and I said, give me five things I can pray for you right now. You could, uh, uh, my wife and my four kids. You could do that, couldn't you? And you could probably take a second like this for my wife, that... Is there anything I pray for you? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, be sweeter at home. That I would actually pray. Um, that I would make more money. And then, and so all of those things are are stuffed into your heart. Even if you're not a believer, you have this stuff, right? That God would fix your boss. God would give you a better job. That the health report would be better. All of us have this stuff. Listen to me. Making the list is not praying. Get it? So you're going to take the list to the Word of God. There's one more thing. I don't know about for you, I've got to have structure, or I, I just, I go ADHD. There's a thousand things to think about. So for me, I need a tool. We gave you a tool last week. P R A Why? Do you remember that? So we're going to open our Bibles, then we're going to open our hearts. Here's the list on our hearts. Now, in order to get the right things on the list, the first four prayers you should pray should probably come straight out of Psalms. Psalm 119, verse 36, ask God, would you incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain? Be honest, almost everything on our list is us focused. It's focused on me. God, would you make my life easier and give me more stuff? That's 90% of what's on our list, right? Take away the disease, give me more money, make my husband behave better, make it easier for me. But if you were to pray this prayer before you make your list, how's it gonna change your list? It's gonna make your prayer a lot more God-centered than you centered, and then unite my heart. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Our hearts are so scattered. It fears so many other things. We want God to single focus, unite my divided heart. Satisfy my heart, Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice And be glad all of our days. Now listen, if you really did pray this in the morning and you left your house already satisfied, how much less stuff would you go after? That we may rejoice and be glad all our days, even our Mondays and Thursdays and every day that's difficult in between. And then finally... Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Psalm 119, verse 18. So once you've prayed that prayer, now you can actually open the Bible. And when you open the Bible, you have to open your eyes to see what's there. Using the structure, you can say, I, I need to look for something to praise God for. Did you see that in Acts chapter 4? Sovereign Lord, praise God for being sovereign. Praise you for being the maker of heaven and earth. Call attention to God's attributes. Look for something to repent from. As you're reading about God's holiness, you're being convicted about your lack thereof. As you're reading about a command, you are understanding, Lord, I haven't obeyed that command and I want to repent. I want you to turn my heart right now. Look for something to repent of, and then then you can look for something to ask God for. He says, come and ask whatever you ask. Come and ask, seek, knock. I'm going to give it to you. Look for some way to yield to God. Do you see the acronym? P-R-A-Y. And this is what Martin Luther said. He says, I divide... "...every biblical command into four parts, thereby fashioning a garland of four strands. That is, I think, of each command first as an instruction, which is really what it is intended to be, and consider what God demands of me earnestly. Second, I turn it into thanksgiving. Third, a confession. Fourth, a prayer." This turns every biblical text into a school text, a songbook, a potential book, a prayer book. So this is what we're going to do. I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 23, one of the most familiar passages in the Bible. Have you ever been to a, a funeral where Psalm 23 was the text? You, you will be there one day. Um, Psalm 23, very familiar text. This is what you're going to do. By the way, let me tell you a bit, as you get started in this, I want to recommend that everybody this week pray through one chapter of the Psalms. Listen, there's 150 Psalms. If you divide that by five, what do you get? I know, math on Sunday, you check out. So 150 divided by five is? 30. How many days are in a typical month? If you took the Psalms and you thought in terms of the day of the month and you opened to the 29th Psalm or the 59th Psalm or the 89th Psalm or the 109th Psalm or the 139th Psalm, you've got five chapters there that you could just look. It's like, ah, pick this one. Great. Pick that. And then pray through that. And this is what you're going to do. Very slowly. Read a phrase, pause, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit preach to you, and then speak back to Him whatever comes to mind. Simple. So let's try that using the 23rd Psalm. Got your eyes on that? First phrase The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, thank you that today you have promised to be my shepherd. God, that means that in some sense I'm a sheep. Kind of wander around aimlessly. Would you forgive me thinking that I can go through this day without your shepherding voice in my life? And God, thank you that today you're going to be providing for me You're going to be protecting me from wolves that want to take me out? Thank you for being a great shepherd. And Lord, as I think about that, you've assigned some roles to me. In some sense, I'm a shepherd. As a husband, I'm a shepherd to my wife, and I need to provide and protect her today. Would you make me sensitive to what she needs and the things that are pressures to her? And Lord, I want to be a good shepherd over Brooke and Zach and Allie and Leah and Scott and I know that today they're going to be going into schools and in environments where there are wolves that want to take them out, and devour them. God, I pray that you would protect them. God, thank you for being a good shepherd. And Lord, I want to listen to your voice today. What's the next phrase? I shall not want. Lord, thank you that in a very real sense, I've never really been in want. I mean, there are some things that I want, but you've provided all my needs. And Lord, I want to repent because there's some things that I want that you don't want. I spent a lot of time last week pursuing things I wanted without ever asking you to provide them. Lord, I, I think about our sister churches in Liberia and they live without so many things that we take for granted. I want to pray for them that you would provide Not only the things that they need, but even some things that they want today. What's the next phrase? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Lord, it's six o'clock in the morning. I'd really like to go back and lay down. (laughs) I'm tired. Lord, I really am exhausted. I pray that you'd provide rest. God, would you even give me some time maybe later this afternoon to... just close my eyes and just physically rest. You make me lie down in green pastures. When I think about green pastures, Lord, I think of places that are fertile and fruitful and peaceful. And God, my life has not been fertile. It's been more like a desert. God, would you fill me up? What's the next phrase? He leads me beside still waters. God, I... I just want to go on record that my heart is so far from being still, it's restless, it's anxious. I think about waters that are still being very deep waters. And the truth is, is I can be so shallow in my thinking and racing off to things that are that just make me anxious. So God, I confess that I, I yield to you the right for you to lead me. I haven't always let you lead me. But God, today I'm gonna to look for your leadership. And I'm going to praise you that as a promise of all those that walk with you, that you are the leader. And I go on record, you're the leader. Next phrase. He restores my soul. God, for some reason, my mind keeps going back to things that happened to me 30 years ago. People that stole from me. People belittled me. God, those have left... Scars on my soul, and God, I want you to heal those and restore those things. I want to find my identity in you. You restore my soul, and you lead me by paths of righteousness. This is what I want you to do. We're going to keep praying, but I want you to bow your head, Bible open. Don't close your eyes, because I want your eyes on the Bible. I want you to look at the next phrase. What does it say? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake what comes to mind when you think about a path or righteousness or his name
1: using the Bible to guide your prayers is a really helpful way to breathe new life into your own times of personal prayer. We've been listening as Pastor Trent Griffith has modeled for us what simply praying the Bible looks like. Do you need a church home? If so, you're invited to join us for a worship service at Harvest Bible Chapel. For more information about service times and campus locations, just go to harvestgranger.org. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. Or if you're on Facebook, just look for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word would inform your prayers and resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.